Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today we're speaking with musician Yuri Yamashita about her career as a percussionist and how her Buddhist practice of chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo helped her beat the odds and her own self-doubt to pave a path in New York. She was most recently the percussionist for the Tina Turner musical on Broadway, a remarkable coincidence because during moments of her own personal struggles, Tina Turner's story and Buddhist practice was a great source of inspiration for Yuri. Today, we hear Yuri's journey, reflect on lessons from Tina's life, and cover advice for young musicians or creatives paving their own way. Here's Yuri. So my name is Yuri Yamashita. Uh, I'm calling from New Jersey, and I'm a musician. I play percussion. Amazing. I know we're going to talk a lot more about that uh, shortly, but just so we can build a little bit of context for people who don't know you in regards to your practice, could you just briefly share how did you first encounter um, Australian Eastern Buddhism and then what made you interested to start chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo? So I'm the third generation in my family to be practicing this Buddhism. Uh, my grandmother started practicing soon after World War II as a single mother because my grandfather died of illness during the war. Every time I saw her, she talked how her life changed and was able to raise her three children on her own in the midst of poverty. Hmm. I started chanting um, at five or six when my mother taught me how to recite the Lotus Sutra book. <laughs> Yeah, she really wanted to, you know, teach me. Mm. I see, I see. And did you continue chanting since then? Or, you know, like I think for, for people who are sort of born into a family that practices, I feel like there's always the journey of, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to continue? So I'm curious, like, yeah, how did it make you feel? And then when and why did you decide to continue as an adult? Yeah, so I kept you know, doing, which is reciting Lotha Sutra every morning, every night. I also missed a lot, but that was, you know, one of the discipline that my mom was trying to teach me and then make as my habit. Mm -hmm. So I tried as much as I can. And finally at my, how, I think I was 12 or 13, I finally decided that I'm going to, experiment with this practice not i'm not chanting because that's a part of my routine mm -hmm. i had something i wanted to chant about um which was to uh i was in a wind ensemble band in a junior high school and actually that's when i started playing percussion oh, and wow. it was very competitive to getting into the they call regular band member to be going to all the competitions. So that's when I first tried up with this practice. My mother encouraged me to chant. If I you want to be in this band, chant and practice. 
percussion, both chant and then take action. So as a 12 years old, that's what I did. And, uh, and then I, I did, you know, become a member of the performing band. So that to me, and I was the latest in starting to play percussion in the group of kids. So my normal head would say, oh, it's impossible. Because I came here very late. Everybody was already very advanced. So, but I always liked the concept of making impossible possible. And that was my first making impossible possible. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Also, I didn't realize that it started so young, like your journey with music and Buddhism were almost intertwined from from the very beginning. <laughs> so um, maybe we can talk a little bit about music then also just to understand the context. Um, what, was it always your dream to be a professional musician? And, you know, sort of how did that that journey or that dream begin for you that ultimately brought you to New York? I didn't have music as my career vision, um, but another crucial, you know, moment was finishing that junior high school. I started to think about, you know, which high school to go to, and I found out that there is a music high school that really, spe- you know, specializes in music. Um, eventually going to conservatories or music in you know, a university studying, majoring in music. Um, so I decided to audition for that. And again, it was a lot of my piano teacher or my band director said, okay, it's impossible. Again, like adults were telling me, you cannot do that because you, you know, that news came in. This school has this music program for percussion major. That came in very late. So it was a late start. Um, but again, same thing. I decided I'm going to use this, you know, my Buddhist practice to make impossible possible. And um, I was able to get in, into that school and then started studying music um, in high school. And... Um, that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to the path of, you know, the career of, in music industry. And I went to college, majoring same thing, classical percussion. And after that, I started to dream about living somewhere other than Japan. So I auditioned music schools in New York. I see. Huh. And so um, when you first came to New York, was it to study or to work? Like what was the sort of, um, yeah, I guess the, the, the couple of first couple of years or the initial arrival in New York, I imagine must have been um, new and challenging for you. Yes, yes. I auditioned for a master's program at Manus College of Music. Um, so... Again, I kept studying classical percussion. Um, and I did that for a few years over there. And then I went to Juilliard uh, School to further my study in, in percussion. And um, yeah, so that's how I could not really get out of that anymore. 
yeah. Do you mind my asking before we kind of move into to sort of the the journey that then began in New York and your Buddhist practice, like, um, you know, to be that dedicated to such a specific career path requires like some some kind of passion for what you do and I'm, I'm curious eventually like do you remember when you were like I, I just I love percussion like this is what I want to do or what you really love about it I think I had this vague um, vision of sitting in a beautiful recording studio in New York City playing <laughs> playing congas like I had I just had this vision yeah so that's that's you know um, one thing about playing percussion, and it was not very specific. I want to become, you know, uh, the artist to be performing with that artist, or I want to be playing in that orchestra, or, you know, I didn't have a very specific, I just had this vague vision of me sitting in a recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that that initial context. I think we, we have a little bit of a sense of the backdrop of the story. Um, but for today, I, I wanted to focus, of course, as much as you're comfortable sharing on that journey of, you know, arriving in a new city where you didn't know anybody and um, deciding that you're going to be, you know, a freelance percussionist, which is like a very bold <laughs> dream to pursue, especially in a city like New York. And I think many people listening, you know, whatever field that they work in, just being a freelance artist is like incredibly difficult. So maybe we can start with your arrival. Like so you so you said you've been chanting since you were young and it helped you sort of from a young age get into school and then the next program. Um, but when you arrived in New York, what was your Buddhist practice like? Were you still chanting? Um, did you get connected to the Buddhist community? Sort of, yeah, maybe you can start with painting that picture for us. Yeah, I was chanting. Um, actually, coming to New York or, or even auditioning music school in New York was another big challenge. Um, so I definitely uh, was practicing very, uh, very seriously about... Um, preparing for the audition, coming to New York, coming to a new place, um, everything. So when I arrived in New York, I started out in an English program for one month, very short program before starting the semester at the college. And the dormitory they put me in was at Union Square in New York City. And the first thing I did, I didn't know anything, but when I first arrived, in a dormitory, okay, I need, I want to find Buddhist center. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I found out that it's just around the corner from <laughs> that dormitory. Yeah, I used to uh, look over the window and I see this beautiful farmer's market. You yeah. know, that's where I first stayed, directly coming from Japan. And so I walked over to the center and I immediately felt that sense of a community and I belong somewhere, you know, here already without knowing anyone with my limited, you know, language skill. I have a place I can go almost every day because I was living there. I, I have a place to go to chant every day. Amazing. Yeah, that's so 
convenient <laughs> that it was right there. Um, one, one just follow-up question. I'm just thinking, you know, for people who are new to the practice, um, we sort of take for granted that the, the basic practice is chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo consistently and then going to Buddhist meetings and studying and all of that. But for you specifically, I don't know if you remember at that time, just like emotionally, how did chanting specifically make you feel, you know, in case someone is like, what, like, you said you're practicing seriously, but like, what did it do in, in a day-to-day basis? Like, why why were you chanting? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, as I was getting ready for this interview, I was thinking about what was I feeling? <laughs> um, I think all, I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed to, to be in a new environment with a new material, new everything so i think i put into a two different phase in my chanting journey so that when i was very young like starting from young age to uh even until you know maybe 10 years ago i think my chanting was about it it was a place for me to affirm that i can do anything i can accomplish anything i want to and like I've been saying, make impossible possible. That that was my attitude towards chanting Namyoho Renge Kyo. Um, but the second phase that I'm much older now is I chant differently. So like every morning now I, I chant and I feel this this warmness, like as if like I'm getting into the beautiful warm bath, bathtub. Like that's what I feel first. And then I re- I feel that something gets released. And it's just an amazing feeling. That, that's not something I experienced as a child. When I was a child, it was about achieving something. I had specific um thing to chant about goal to achieve but now that's how I experience chanting now um and after the feeling some you know warmness and then releasing something then depending on what I'm going through in life I feel sometimes gratitude I feel joy I feel despair I feel sadness uh confusion sometimes depression, all kinds of emotion, you know, that's what I experience. But when I'm really zoning into the um, uh, gohonzon, which is a scroll that we chant to, when, I, when my eyes are locked in to, to the world, you know, there's nam myoho renge in the center is a myo which is a character for mystic. When I can really gaze, you know, zone into that character and really, really focused, then in the end, what I always feel very, very light, Hmm. all the worries and the confusion, I just feel lighter and then feel connected to the universe. Wow, what a beautiful way to describe chanting. Something you just said, I think, leads in very nicely to, to the next question because you mentioned how um, 
you know, initially when you started practicing, you it, it was really about setting goals and like making the impossible possible. And I think especially for someone who's trying to make it as a musician or as an artist, that it's like a pretty monumental journey. There's a lot of ups and downs in that process. So um, I'm wondering for you, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more when you say, um, you know, like really believing that you could do it, what kind of struggles internally or externally in in building your freelance career in New York did you have to overcome you know in order to get to where you are now like are there any kind of specific things that you would want to share about that you feel like were key yeah when I get performing opportunities my sometimes my first reaction is wow can I do this you know can I perform well you know, some that part of that is maybe being humble, not overconfident, but it, I think most is just not believing in myself enough. Mm. So there's always a little bit of um, fear and, and maybe a little bit of insecurity, maybe a little bit of that, and maybe a little bit of confidence, you know, like a lot of things. So in the end, what I have to do is I have to face that. And the way for me to face is to, to, to chant and fight that negativity and prepare for the each opportunities as best as I can. And that's how I think that's how I, you know, lived my uh, New York life, like each one, just doing each one wholeheartedly like that. Mm. And each time I feel good about what I did. And from that, I was probably building confidence by doing each one. Yeah, that makes a a lot of sense. I, I, I'm I wondering for someone who might not understand at all even like what it means to be a percussionist, much less a freelance percussionist, what does it look like? So like after you graduate, just practically speaking, um, what kinds of jobs are you trying to get? Like what sort of what do those milestones look like as you develop your career? Just so we can understand a little bit of like that building process that you're describing, like what it actually looked like for you day to day. You know, percussion is an interesting instrument, have so much possibility to play all kinds of different music. And even I, what I really, my training was, you know, in the classical music and mainly to play in the orchestra um, or play solo repertoire, the music written for percussion or uh, chamber chamber music or something like that. But especially living in New York as a percussionist, I think it's a little bit different because there's a lot of different type of music and music scenes in New York that sometimes you get called for uh, completely surprising uh, gigs you know, play for the uh, event for the fashion show mm-hmm. or play with this band. Uh, I got called in to, to audition for Duran Duran. 
to, oh, wow. to play with that band. Um, or I played uh, with orchestra, symphonic orchestra, playing classic repertoire, playing uh, new music, which is like um, contemporary music by living composers. Um, and in New York, the unique thing about uh, New York is that there is a Broadway, a lot of Broadway theaters in New York that I play lots of, uh, I stopped many Broadway musicals uh, for for over a decade. And that's like going into the show and learn the percussion book. So it's all kinds of different uh performing opportunities every day almost wow how interesting yeah i mean i i can just imagine especially if you're like at the beginning of one's career the um the breadth of the types of music and the types of people and the environments must have been also different so like not only are you trying to uh pursue the the types of of gigs that you want but also being so flexible and like ready for anything kind of sounds intimidating at least in the in the beginning I can imagine and do by doing all this each performance you start to see the direction mm-hmm. and that your career start to sh- you know make a shape oh this is the you know direction I want to go or oh yeah. this is what I like to do more you know I start to see that yeah 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 wow so um yeah maybe we can then talk about kind of a a recent uh you know performance that you were part of I understand that you were the percussionist for the Tina Turner musical just until last month August um which is interesting because Tina Turner is famous for practicing Buddhism (laughs) and so many many people I think have been introduced to to Buddhism or the ideas of them through her story um so uh, yeah I'm I'm curious of like first how that happened was that a coincidence that you ended up doing that show and um I yeah yeah what did it mean to you like in terms of your practice I'm sure there must have been some sort of connection yeah I was actually going through the biggest crisis in my life um like a couple years leading up to that um so I didn't know anything about the musical, but I was watching Tina Turner's uh, What's Love Got to Do With It, that film. Mm-hmm. I was watching to um, inspire myself, you know, get encouraged. I always enjoyed her, the scene that she started chanting. So I watched that to get through what, what I was going through. Um so I needed that visual inspiration. A lot of things inspire you and encourage you, but I, it was, you know, that's one of the um, encouraging thing that I found was her film and her life story. Hmm. And a couple years after that, um, to, to, you know, I got an offer to play percussion in Tina Turner musical. It was, very mystic. Uh, I could not believe it, like what was happening. And she, you know, Tina Turner herself um, attended 
the opening night when we opened the show on Broadway in 2019. Um, and she spoke on the stage with the actors and us standing on stage. And she said, changing poison into medicine. And that's exactly what I, you know, experienced with my own struggle. Um, and that's exactly, you know, what she said was very true. That's exactly how it happened for me as well, that changing poison into medicine. And I was able to transform what I was going through. Oh my gosh, I can, I'm just visualizing that moment. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, just in case, like, I mean, I think many people will have seen the movie and kind of know Tina's story, but just very briefly, um, if you don't mind, uh, yeah, like sharing like why her story in terms of it being something that you turned to for inspiration. Yeah, I think her story is is about that you are like stuck in one situation and could not really change, even you want to change. But, you know, her practice um, and chanting, some inner transformation started happening inside her. I believe that she was already a very, very strong woman. She didn't become strong woman because she chanted. She was already a strong woman. And that's on in the musical. That's in that film too. In her books, everything you I can feel that she was already very very strong and talented woman. But wo- even woman like that, she was in this one situation that could not get out of. But by chanting, she something happened. Inner transformation happened that she was actually able to change the situation outside of her body as well, not only the inside. Mm-hmm. And that's that and then after that she really thrived and flourished. And that did not happen immediately either. After, you know, um after she left the the uh, Ike and Tina band, that yeah. situation. She reinvented and her career even thrived after that. So, so that transformation is, is an inspiration for anyone. Um, so that's, that's, that's the beauty of, um, some role model like that. Yeah. And that's why very encouraging to see her movie or, you know, um, her voice, listening to her voice, her uh, show, and now musicals or books is inspiring, encouraging a lot of people. You know, it's something you just said, I think is so, I want to pull it out a little bit, because I think it's actually so um, spot on in terms of Buddhism, when you say that, like, she didn't become strong just because she was chanting. She was already strong. And something I think in terms of Buddhability is the name of this show, right? So we, we, which is basically a synonym for Buddhahood or enlightenment. And in, in Buddhism, we, 
learn that everybody already has Buddhability or already has Buddhahood. It's not something that uh, is given to you or you have to find somewhere. It's just already in your life. But the process of chanting is just activating it or calling it out and then utilizing it to take the next step forward, whatever, whether you're pursuing a dream or you're faced with an obstacle or making a change in the world or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to call that out. And I'm I I'm curious, like thinking back to the, I guess, young musician that you were in the beginning when you mentioned, you know, just like believing in yourself and feeling like like really me for this role? Can I do this? Um, how you've seen that sort of change and how you view your own sort of strength or talent or courage now having practiced Buddhism for a long time and gone through a lot of things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that relationship with an understanding of your own courage or your own strength is like a really amazing part of Buddhist practice that we don't talk about too much, you know? So I'm, I'm curious, um, how you've seen yourself change, I guess, is the simplest way to put it. Wow, that's a difficult one. Courage is definitely the biggest one. Hmm. Yeah, because that when that first I decided after struggling for a while and one day I just made that decision, made that decision and... And that was the time that the wisdom started to, you know, well up from my life. Like maybe a couple of years before that was why or a lot of questions and confusions and can I do this and, you know, dealing with lots of negativities. Um, but the day I, I made that, decision to take in a way bold action like from that day on there was no stopping you know so to from my practice I finally manifest manifested that wisdom from my life and mastered courage to to do it I still didn't know how to. I had the courage and I knew what I wanted, wanted to do, but I did not know exactly how it was going to turn out or what to do. I didn't really have a plan, but I just decided. And that, that was a huge shift in me that eventually got to here now and was I was able to transform that situation yeah that, that totally makes sense and um it's actually it's really interesting another thing that that I love that you just shared that is like a how do you say like a key point in Buddhism that for people who are new um is so you mentioned at the show Tina Tina's talked about turning poison into medicine, which is like a Buddhist concept we hear about a lot if you practice Buddhism, that any um, poison in your life, it could be a situation. And as you mentioned, maybe you're going through a, a period of some kind of a crisis or great obstacle um, can be transformed through Buddhist practice into something that actually nourishes your life and helps you take the next step forward. Um, 
But what I love that you said is that like, it all starts with just deciding. Like you don't have to know how you're going to do it. You don't have to know what to do next. So I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, for people who are battling whatever odds they're against right now, um, whether it's in their career or circumstances that are difficult, that uh, moment of deciding is kind of the key. Um, but along those lines, if you don't mind my asking, like in times like this, like when you um, are going through an obstacle or um, or just a challenging period of feeling a little bit low, um, are there any like Buddhist quotes or concepts or something that you turn to that you feel like this is what allows me to look at it differently or encourage myself? Yeah, I have a lot of um, Buddhist concepts that I like. Um, and depending on what I'm going through, it's I pick one concept and chant about it and think wow. about it. But um, right now I'm thinking a lot and reading a lot about and maybe not a lot, but thinking about casting off the transient and revealing the truth. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I'm thinking about revealing my true identity, my authentic self, uh, what's next. So, you know, the superficial thing that you are experiencing in life is it can be transient. And through all this challenges and, you know, uh, struggles or even grace things that I'm experiencing in the depth that the, I can use all this to reveal myself, true, true self. Mm. And that idea is just, just really exciting. Like I can't wait to see my, <laughs> you know, reveal my true self because I don't think I'm completely have done that yet. I'm always in the process and I'm always revealing my true self this past, you know, my life. Yeah. But there's always more to to reveal. Um, basically, the Buddhist concept of like always something is something like immediately. I love that concept. Like our three desires are enlightenment, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's not a two things. When you have earthly desire, you bring to to bring that to you know. Instead of denying it, you chant about it. You burn that you know uh, desire to transform into the enlightenment. I always like that concept of you know it's that the evil can be you know the great evil can be great good. The obstacle can be the great opportunity. All this, like anything is depending on what you do, you can transform into something amazing. And yeah. I really love that concept. So if I'm going through difficulties, oh, it has to be something great coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because um, we're uh, on, on some episodes of the podcast, we do like a little Buddhist concept and the ones that we've been focused on for this last month are um, all about oneness, which is what you're mm -hmm. describing, you know, like oneness of life and environment or oneness of good and evil, oneness of um, body and mind, like mm -hmm. because everything is connected, you're completely right. Like it's not about what's happening. It's about what we 
do with it. It's how we create value out of it. And I think that's also why so many people are so inspired by Tina Turner's story, because it's that that's exactly what she does and what all of us can do. And and when you chant, you do you have to do in your own life of uh, turning even the most like challenging situation into something that now is inspiring so many people. And it's it's a it's a such a amazing feeling um, that something very negative can be so positive in mm-hmm. the end. That that's that's just very hopeful concept. Why do we go through difficulty just for the sake of going through the difficult? That's just too difficult. It's not fun. It's not, <laughs> it's not joyful. If that turns into something, that's when it's fun. So to have that vision and possibility and, and faith that it's going to transform to that is a very exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to move to, I always like to close with the same question, which is about advice. But before I do the closing question, I just want to double check, um, in terms of your journey working as a freelance percussionist, is there any other aspect or period that I didn't think to ask about that you wanted to share about? I had opportunity to, um, sing full concert, uh, last month. And that's something I haven't done. So, you know, it's it's a kind of a new thing, which is exciting, challenging, and it's gonna be a journey, but it's, I'm excited about it. And the experience I had was something different from when I performed playing percussion. That, that, that feeling I felt last month singing, I never felt that in my career, which was, as I, you know, performers, we always get nervous. We have a very healthy anxiety, you know, <laughs> we need that nervousness, right? Like a little bit to, to perform well. So I was nervous before the show and I started singing, like I started to really, really truly enjoy that experience. And that's, for some reason, I haven't had that experience playing percussion but that happened when i was singing so so that's one of maybe revealing my true self that i really want to um tap into that and do more of that in my career that's amazing that's so inspiring too that like continuous kind of fresh perspective to to reveal more to to be more is yeah such an inspiring way to for someone who's already so accomplished just amazing to hear so then maybe this does lead into this this final question because I'm just thinking from the perspective of, you know, someone who might be listening who maybe is like a young musician that's that's trying to make it um, now. Uh, in your, I guess, experience now, just like thinking of all these different lessons you've learned, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's currently in that process? I would say, you know, try chanting every day consistently even for a short amount of time. Um, instead of missing it a lot, chant every day about something that you are chanting about, about your career or <clears throat> personal relationship or about your own character, uh, 
about health, job, anything that you want to chant about your mother, you know, anything, you know, um, chant consistently every day, no matter what the time is, um, and see and feel what you feel in within yourself or what kind of transma- transformation start happening within you and see what happens result of that in your environment. And I say that because as I was sharing about my bringing up, practicing this Buddhism as a child, a teenager, young age, my f- practice was like fire. My Now I have practice like more like water. Practicing like fire was I would be going to chant only when I'm in a emergency situation or if I want to accomplish something. That has been my practice as a kid or my youth. And I, you, I still accomplish many things practicing like that. But I think a real change happens when you practice like water. Even for a little bit, you just do consistently. And because I have a re- that regret as, as a young you know, youth, that's what I would say to, to chant even a little bit consistently every day. I want to leave you today with some words from Tina Turner in her book, Happiness Becomes You, where she writes of an exchange she had with musician Wayne Shorter, who asked her what she truly wanted in life. It reads, since I didn't have an answer for Wayne at that time, he suggested I create a mission statement for my life to help set a clear direction. With a mission statement, I could see how the things I began to dream about would support my mission in life. I dug deeper and deeper within, letting go of what was holding me back and began to see myself more clearly. That's when I saw what had to change for me to be happy and successful. When I could see myself clearly, I knew I could change anything. This is the essence of chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. When our life condition is high enough, anything is possible, including the impossible. The key is to keep moving forward, even if only in the tiniest steps, with a solid belief that you will absolutely get where you want to go. On that note, if you want to learn more about Buddhism, we have plenty of resources at foodability.org. And, as always, if you want to get connected to a local Buddhist community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.